I just want to say, you know, this work is so worth it. it. You know, you can stay in the discomfort of uh, being small in your comfort zone, right? The, the comfort of the, the discomfort of the comfort zone, or you can do the brave, courageous work of breaking out of that and just be, being your full self. And it's just so, it's a whole other level of living. It's a whole other level of experience when you expand that emotional range you know we stay neutral right we, we can stay so suppressed and neutral but when you expand that you know the lows are lower but the highs are so much higher and it's so worth it welcome to the mighty emotions podcast i'm your host giselle i'm a certified emotions coach and i teach you how to respond better to your emotions so you can feel better in your life My mission is to show you how to work with your emotions to become more emotionally resilient. Your emotions are not designed to overpower you. They're designed to empower you. On this podcast, I share what our emotions are, how to understand them and work with them, and the tools you need to reclaim your power and get unstuck from emotional pain so you can find fulfillment in your life again. I'm so glad you're here. Now let's get into the episode. Okay, so welcome to another episode of the Mighty Emotions podcast. This is a fun one. I have my friend Michelle here with me. She is a personal growth and self-love coach, and she has an amazing program that we're going to dive into later on in the episode. But this is a chance for you to understand if you're interested in going on a self-love journey, if you know this is something that you want to work on, to understand someone who has been there, done that, and now supports women um, on that journey as well. So welcome, Shayla. Hello, hello. It's great to be here. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much to to agreeing to this. So let's Mm -hmm. dive in right away. You let the audience know who you are, what you do. Mm. So as you said, I'm a personal growth and self-love coach. um, And I'm hesitating because I'm constantly reiterating this this statement, but I would say where it's at now is I help people-pleasing perfectionists with a history of toxic relationships heal their relationship with themselves so that they can show up more authentically in their lives and relationships. I love so that. Yeah, that's, that's the work that I do. And uh, I've been doing this for five years now, and I'm constantly seeking to clarify exactly who I'm working with and what I do because it's it's such um you know deep work without a clear tangible outcome necessarily so it's you know it's always that um that struggle to really convey the importance of this work and the impact of this work in a couple sentences as you know that's challenging (laughs) Absolutely. I mean, even in my work, you know, we help a variety of people um, with Mm -hmm. a variety of issues, but the core issue is our relationship with ourselves, right? Like that's Mm -hmm. really what it's all about at the center. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I love that you talk about helping people pleasers, helping perfectionists, and that kind of leads us into the show, which is Clearly, that was a journey that you had to go on as well. Mm -hmm. So would you have described yourself (laughs) as a people pleaser and a perfectionist? 100%. (laughs) Yes, Um, I would say I'm I'm in recovery. (laughs) It's it's an ongoing process, many layers to it. Um, But yeah, it's it's been quite a journey. Um, 
moving through that people pleasing and perfectionism um, in my relationships. I would say that's something that I've moved through really successfully. And now I'm in that process in my business. Oh, <laughs> we'll get into it, I'm sure. Yes, absolutely. And I can totally relate um, that sometimes the work that we do in one area doesn't automatically transfer to another area of our lives. And that's something that I, I'm working with my clients that I've been working with longer now is like, okay, you've applied these tools to this area. And now it's just about taking those same tools and applying it to this area, right? Mm -hmm. But it is a process. So how have you kind of, let the audience know like your story and how you've gone from this people pleasing this perfectionist in your relationships to where you are now I know that you're happily married and you have a young mm -hmm. son uh, which is why we connected because we have those similarities um, but for the audience that is just getting to know you who is Michelle what's your story how did you get here mm. where do I begin <laughs> um, well it all started at my birth <laughs> tr truly though right and this yes. is this is kind of the work that's been coming up for me lately um, in having a son. It's really brought a lot more up to the surface. It's having me examine my own birth story, my own early childhood. And, um, and so truly the story does begin at birth. And for me, it's kind of a, I guess, unique situation in that I was unplanned. My parents um, had me I uh, found out they're pregnant with me while they're in university. They were like three months into their relationship. So it was all very much a surprise. <laughs> I was a miracle, as mom said. <laughs> she wasn't, you know, supposed to be able to have children. So they weren't particularly you know, careful. Anyway, along I come and they made the decision to put me up for adoption. So that was the plan. And then I was born. And at that time in the mid 80s, you would go to stay with foster in foster care for six weeks to make sure that this was the decision that the, the birth mother wanted to make and and all of that. So they, they had a family picked out that I was going to be going to. And I went and stayed at this, um, I'm getting emotional just talking about this. So I went and stayed at this foster home and my mom in university, no car, nothing, would bike out there to visit me. <laughs> and finally at the end of the six weeks, the foster mom who apparently was very lovely and, and caring. So that was you know a good space for me to be said to her, like, you know what you need to do. Like, you can do this. You can be a mom. So she kept me. So she borrowed some money, borrowed a car, came and got me, took me home. So that's where it all kind of began. And, um, you know, I'm currently, like I said, in the process, you're catching me at a very <laughs> vulnerable time. because I'm, I'm processing a lot these days, as you know, and uh, we've discussed. But um, yeah, it was... Uh, there was a, that immediate separation, which I'm sure had some sort of impact on me, right, as an infant. And then my mom and dad, um, you know, they tried, they tried for a couple of years to make it work. Eventually, they split up, my dad moved about an hour away, we were very close, my dad and I, when I was about two and a half. Uh, when he moved, I would go and stay with him on the weekends, or every other weekend or something like that. And um, it was always really sad having to come back home. Mom and I were close too, but I had a very special connection with my father. And then when he was four, he moved to Japan. I'm in Canada. So this is on the other side of the world. <laughs> so we, uh, and, and he kind of made the decision that it, it was best for everyone if he removed himself from my life. And, you know, he was 25. They, they were so young and trying to figure out their lives and you know, there's a whole lot more, but this is not his story. There's a whole lot more we could get into there. But 
you know, right out of the gates, there's sort of this abandonment and this separation and this feeling of, I guess I'm not good enough or there must be something I've done because as children, we can't understand the nuances of the situation. We, um, we only, we, we think we're the center of the universe, right? That's how it's designed. So we believe, well, there must be something I've done to lead to this, you know, to lead to him moving away. Um, and then I moved in with, and then my mother and I moved in with my stepfather, very different energy than my father. He's lovely. We still have a relationship today, but there was, you know, a bit of a barrier between him and I. And so, you know, all of this led to me having a very challenging relationship with men. So in, in relationships, as I, I remember being, you know, five, six, like having these deep crushes on boys in my class. Like, it's like I was trying to fill that space in my life. Right. And, uh, and this went on into high school, you know, my relationships were just very intense. And I felt this really strong need to have them succeed. And so I showed up, I was trying to show up as, you know, perfect and in, in, and pleasing, right? Like, don't make a wrong move or they'll, or they'll leave you. You know, and this continued on through high school, through my early twenties, um, all through my twenties, even into my early thirties. You know, I, it was just a, a history of short-term relationships, disappointing relationships, toxic relationships, because I was bringing this intense, I get almost desperate, needy, people-pleasing energy to my relationships. Um, or I was dating people that I wasn't particularly that into uh, because there wouldn't be that danger of you know, losing them, the pain of losing someone that I was truly attached to. And so anyway, this pattern repeated itself until my um, late 20s, early 30s. I was in this on and off relationship with someone who's just so unsuited for me. And um, it was almost like it had to get progressively worse for me to get it, <laughs> the lesson to finally land. And that um, in that relationship, it was the first time to my knowledge I had been cheated on. And um, it happened three times in that relationship. And I kept taking him back and just trying to make it work despite knowing better, right? And um, third time it finally hit me like a, a, a bolt of lightning with absolute clarity, I deserve better. I deserve at least what I'm putting into this relationship. And that really uh, coincided with a lot of the healing work I'd been doing throughout this relationship. And it coincided with me starting my coaching journey. So at the time that I ended things with this person, like full stop, cut it off, blocked him, you know, cut off contact. I was also doing my coach training. So I was learning a lot about myself and about uh, what was truly important to me and about, you know, who was I at my authentic core, you know, and, and, when I'm acting from that place of authenticity, you know, how, how, what, you know, how do I speak? How do I act? What do I feel? Right. Just really getting to know that once we strip away those layers of societal conditioning, um, I got really clear on what I wanted in a partner and in a relationship. And then that's when Colin entered my life, my now husband. And I just really vowed that I was going to show up in a more authentic way in this relationship. I was going to have boundaries. I was going to speak my needs and wants. I was going to speak my truth, right? So that was seven years ago. We are happily married. It's, you know, just such a, a supportive, loving, playful, you know, in, encouraging, mutually inspiring relationship. 
you know, like I saw out there, I knew it was possible, but it just, um, it, it took some, it took me doing that work to really show up for myself to, to find that and create that. So that's it in a nutshell. <laughs> that's a lot. That was beautiful. I mean, thank you so much for your vulnerability and your honesty and like your authenticity just is a theme throughout this all like you sharing from the very beginning how your early relationships with your caregivers then led to the relationship dynamics down the line and how learning this stuff about yourself when you were starting your coaching and connecting to yourself in this way and getting clarity around yourself and then choosing to show up authentically led to you know this relationship with your partner and I loved how you said that you saw it out there that you knew it was possible right? Mm-hmm. And that you you did the work to find it yourself. So, oh my God, so thank you so much for sharing that. So beautiful. There's so many nuggets in there that I want to touch on. Um, just thinking back, I mean, you said that you were getting emotional just sharing that. What were the emotions that were coming up for you? Mm. It's so hard because I, I would consider myself an empath. And so as I'm telling that story, I'm picturing my mother at that time and I'm feeling for her and what she was going through and her fear and her power in making that choice. Um, and that I'm feeling, you know, for me, like as a baby coming, you know, that reconnection and just, and then I'm feeling as a mother, imagining, just trying to imagine like sending my baby away for, you know, being apart from them from for six weeks. So yeah, it's all of that. It's just, um, I mean, it's, it's love, it's sadness, it's, mm-hmm. yeah, grief, you know, it's yeah. joy, there's a lot in there. I love that, because this is highlighting for people who are listening or watching this, that that's, that's what it is, right? That's what life is. It's all of mm-hmm. that mixed together. Like, so, so often, we only want the joy, or we only want the love. And it's about, like, the reality is, whether we'd like to or not, we're going to feel all of it, right? These experiences have so many layers to them. So thank you for sharing that. And I want to know when you're thinking about your experience, how much fear played into the relationship dynamics you think? Because you were sharing this like people pleasing and perfectionist behavior that you had in these early relationships or only choosing partners that were not really aligned or not you know super available so that you wouldn't get hurt and me as an emotions coach I'm hearing all the fear (laughs) behind that right so talk a little bit about that I think ultimately it's just fear of abandonment you know that's the core wound for me you know that's the big story of my life it's like my dad moved away right so um and that was just so painful and and so I think and I wasn't aware of it. I was aware on some level, but I wasn't aware. I didn't have the awareness I have now, but on some level that fear was always there in the background that if I make the wrong move, people will leave me. Yes. And just sharing about the kind of behavior that you engaged in to try to escape that fear or run away from that fear. And what I want people to kind of hear when they're listening to this is that that fear of abandonment only existed because you had been abandoned right? Like your mom had put you in this foster care for the six weeks, your dad had moved away. So the abandonment had already happened. So it's like not Mm -hmm. wanting it to repeat itself is the running from it, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, And then ultimately, 
running from it led it to repeating itself. <laughs> right? right? And that's the cycle continues. Absolutely. Yeah. But like every time it would happen, it just compounds and compounds and compounds. Right. So when you started doing your coaching work, I'm sure all of these emotions and stuff came up. Right. And and you had to look at it and face it. So what was that process like? Uh, I remember um, I, I knew that one of the things that had to change was using my voice, really, truly speaking my truth. Um because I didn't do that. I kept a lot inside in my relationships prior to my my one with my husband. And I just let a lot of things slide. And I really just put all the focus on my partner. Like, what did they want? What did they need? What was best for their schedule and their everything, right? So, um, you know, if I had plans to go out with friends and they called up and wanted to hang out, well, boom, there go the pl plans with the friends. Like, I'm going to hang out with them. Or if I had planned to go to workout class in the morning, but they were sleeping over, I would cancel the class and like spend time with them. Right. So it was just, and then, and also there was this fear, especially at the beginning that every time I saw them, it would be the last time I saw them. So in between um, hanging out, if I didn't get texts throughout the day, if I wasn't in contact with them, if I didn't know exactly when that next hangout was planned, like, you know, that anxious attachment was just rampant. Right. So you know, I always called the beginning of relationship just this tidal wave of emotion because it was like painful. Like I, I hated it because there was just so much uncertainty and fear in that process. And that was there with Colin too. But I had a lot more awareness um, as I was doing this work on myself, I could recognize what was happening. And I was doing a lot of, you know, self-management through that. So it's like, rather than blowing up his phone with texts I would just tell myself you know you have a connection with this person trust in the connection you have when you're together trust that things are going to work out as they're meant to right and and I would just really have to like do a lot of self-soothing through those those moments of anxiety um but but where I was going I kind of got sidetracked there but where I was going with is like okay I have to speak my truth so I remember this one instance which seems so small and silly when I think about it now but um it was the first time I really set a boundary with him and it was because he was late he'd be late to come meet me or come pick me up or whatever and, you know 15 20 minutes late I'd be standing outside work waiting and just getting like more and more anxious and frustrated and it's like I could have been inside doing something else you know like just let me know right so I was like, I have to talk to him. So I remember that conversation, like the fear I had, like so much fear in my body, having to push these words out of my mouth, just saying, listen, it really, this is the impact it has on me when you're late. Uh, I would love, <laughs> I, what I need from you is to try to be on time. And if you're not going to be on time, let me know so that I can adjust my actions, right? And he received it and he was like, okay, he heard it and he adjusted. And from that point on, he'd let me know if he was running later, he was on time. And I was like, wow, <laughs> like imagine it's just that easy. So yeah, and I mean, it's such a small thing, but that was a huge turning point for me. And I was fortunate that he was a safe person to do that with because he, he could hear me and respond accordingly. So it was, yeah, it was a new, whole new beginning for me. Yes. Oh my God. You said so many great things in there. I I loved you talking about, I mean, yes, him being a safe space was so important, but talking about 
soothing yourself through the emotions before taking an action or before responding to the other person. So important. So many times people want to set boundaries without acknowledging that there's all these emotions that are preventing you from setting the boundaries that you have to like digest and ingest and, and get clear on trusting. That was huge mm. for me too. And I love that you talked about the emotions were still there when you got into this relationship with your now husband, right? It, it wasn't like, oh, I did all this work from these past relationships. And when I got into this new relationship, all good, didn't have to deal with any of that. It was like, no, they were still there, but you dealt with them and that allowed you to move through it, right? And and mm-hmm. I just, I relate so much to that because my story is so similar. When I decided that I was going to date in a healthy way and I did the work on myself, actually, getting in the relationship with my now husband was the practice you know that's when I was like oh okay I guess I have to actually act or actually respond differently to to life right so so Mm -hmm. many good things in there so many things that people need to hear because I think that they think oh a self-love journey I'm just gonna I'm just gonna do all this journaling I'm just gonna do all this writing it's going to be fine. And it's like, and now I've arrived. (laughs) I have arrived. Right. But we have to like do it in real time, in real life. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Apply that knowledge and that learning. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that, and and that continues. Right. Exactly. Right. It's ongoing and that, but it's like, you get better with practice, right? Like now Mm -hmm. the first time you set that boundary with your husband, I was like, now you're like, Oh, if I need to set a boundary, <laughs> I'm yeah. just gonna like, I'm like, yeah. here, here we go. Yeah. <laughs> it's just amazing, right? It gets so this much easier. <laughs> so I want to, I want the audience to know more about your work. But before we dive into that, there's another emotion that I think is common in a self-love journey that I would love to hear your experience with, and that's shame and how we feel toward ourselves and what we think about ourselves and you know, that self-critical voice that you're unworthy. Like, I think that that was such a theme in my life. Um, Having the childhood that I had, having the adolescence and all that was when I started doing this work, it was like, I am broken. Something's wrong with me. I'm not worthy of love from anyone. And there was so much shame to work with there. So I would love to hear your experience with that. Mm Mm-hmm. So when I think back to the that last relationship before my husband, there was so much shame in there because, you know, there was what I believed, the way I believed I would act if someone cheated on me. And then there was the way I was acting. And I was like, what am I doing? And it was just such a disastrous situation the whole way through. My family knew, my friends knew, right? Like nobody supported this. So you know, in the times where we would reconnect, I felt like I had to hide it. I would kind of go dark. My friends would be like, okay, we know what's going on here. So there was a lot of shame in, uh, I had a lot of shame in, in how I wasn't standing up for myself. You know, I was letting this almost addictive need for this connection with this person to override my self-worth. And Ultimately, it just led to the same result, right? Every time I would go back, the same thing would happen. Like if someone shows you who they are, believe them, right? It, but it took me a few tries to get there. And, and like I said, it was the first time to my knowledge that I'd ever been cheated on. I'd always said, oh, if someone ever cheats on me, like that's it, it's over, you know? And so, so there was a lot of shame there. Um, 
in, in that regard. And then when I think to, you know, where else in my life, um, oh my goodness, the inner critic is, is so loud because I, I showed up in most areas of my life with this like longing for acceptance, right? So not just romantic relationships, but friends, my work, you know, I was a hairstylist before coaching. And, and so there's just this need for like acceptance and approval and validation. And that led to a lot of what I would, what I used to call like self-policing that inner critic was really loud. So it'd be like, Oh, that was stupid. Why'd you say that? That was dumb. They, you know, they're judging you. They think you're, you know, boring or they think you're a loser or whatever. I, I went through a period in grade five and six where my friend group turned on me and I was just bullied relentlessly for like two years. Right. So again, it's just another, you know, um, then another version of that pattern repeating. So yeah, even socially, like it was like, Oh God, don't say the wrong thing or people are going to turn on you. So this was such a theme through my, up through my twenties again, until I was like, I got to do some work here <laughs> because I was walking around feeling like my inner critic. I, it was almost like there was this entity right here, just over top of me being like, mm -mm -mm, like policing my every move. And so it was at that point in my mid twenties, when I started going to therapy, I started getting into yoga and meditation, like my whole sort of self-discovery journey began then um and, and it took a long time <laughs> really it was like a long it took a long time to like peel back those layers um and it just continued to morph so as I did the work I started to realize like okay I, I started to become more comfortable in my relationships and my friendships like I was more comfortable in who I was showing up socially but it shifted into like my levels of productivity like if I took time to rest instead of getting things done around the house or on my business you know, there came that finger again, wagging at me, right? So I started to recognize, okay, I've got self-worth is now tied to my productivity. So like, there's just been so many layers I've had to work through to manage the the inner critic. And um, yeah, I'll, I'll pause there because I've said a lot. Yeah, no, absolutely. I love how you talk, called it self-policing because I think that that is such an accurate description where we're just so critical of everything we do and we're needing other people to validate us in every area because we don't know how to do it for ourselves because we feel that mm -hmm. lack of worth, right? So I had the same experience with the frenemies in school where I was bullied and I thought that, you know, these are my friends. So, you know, I don't, it was such a confusing time. There was like, you know, why are they treating me this way? But they like me, but at least they accept me. And, and it wasn't, I wasn't allowing myself to be treated the way that I ultimately deserve to be treated. Right. And so all these mm -hmm. experiences add to that shame that we carry and fuel that critic and talking about what we tie our self-worth to. Right. So like, it was mm -hmm. tied to being a people pleaser and then that shifted and it was tied to productivity and it's always just kind of moving around right and so getting that awareness of it and getting clear on what our self-worth really is connected to that authenticity that you talked about earlier I mean when I coach people on shame like shame is really that voice of whose beliefs are this, right? Like, who did you get this mm -hmm. idea from? Where did you pick up this concept that you need to be productive to be worthy or people need, you know, you need to be validated to be worthy? Like, where did you get these ideas from and where, what's the truth? Like, what's the authentic truth? Um, mm -hmm. And getting, and when we get that, like you were talking about, that's when you were able to 
feel comfortable in yourself and then feel comfortable with yourself and then with others and and it grows from there right so I love that um I want to know you coach people on a self-love journey what can people expect of that journey what is that self-journey what does it look like I'm sure it looks different for different people but overall can you give people an idea of your work Mm -hmm. yeah so it's about first getting to really know like who are you like how is your relationship with yourself manifesting through your thoughts and your feelings and your actions towards yourself you know how do you think about yourself feel about yourself and what actions do you take for yourself so it's it's sort of like when you're plugging directions into the gps you have to have your current location and your destination so it's like where are we starting from right so that's that's kind of the starting point is just getting really clear on that starting to really tune I call activating your inner observer so activating this non judgmental part of yourself that is just sort of sitting back and taking notes noticing how these thoughts are showing up what circumstances are triggering these thoughts how is that making you feel and what actions or inactions or reactions is that leading to so that's really the starting point and then I I think it's important to be mindful of what um recharges or depletes your energy and when i talk about energy i think about you know imagine an internal battery life like on your phone right <laughs> and um there's a lot of thoughts feelings and actions throughout our days that drain our energy and there's a lot of things we can do to recharge our energy and i think that's a really important thing to be aware of as well because there's there's so many pieces to that i i take a very holistic approach so it's it's like what nourishes your mind, your body, your heart, and your soul. The more we can be aware of that, um, the more control and power, you know, the more empowered we are to manage our energy, which is going to give us what we need to go through the rest of this journey. You know, that's what my journey looked like. It was first realizing, oh, um, I'm aware that there's a pattern here, and I'm aware that there's something that needs to shift. And at that time in my life, I was like, well, certainly, you know, my lifestyle could change because I was an absolute party animal. I was like a hairstylist in Toronto out five nights a week, like barely doing laundry. And I was like, my life was just a shambles. And so I was like, all right, we got to like get that in order. And so that's when I started taking care of my, my diet, my sleep, moving my body, right? So doing what you can, what's within your control to, to empower yourself, right? To really charge that inner battery because if you're not sleeping well, it's going to affect you mentally. If you're not eating well, if you're not, um, you know, moving your body, all of this is going to have an impact on your thoughts and your feelings. So that's, we can't leave that out of the equation. Um, and then it's about getting really clear on self-worth. What are your particular metrics of self-worth? So as I mentioned, you know, people pleasing, like other people's valid, um, validation, my relationships with others is a real measure of my self-worth my level of productivity, my appearance, you know, all of these things are um, my level of success, right? All of these metrics that I define myself worth with, um, self-worth by. And so it's really getting clear on, yeah, what are those metrics that you hold? Because again, you have to know where you are before you can start to peel back those layers of conditioning and come to that place of really trusting in your inherent self-worth. You know, and that's big, big, big work, right? And that's something that can take time. Um, but yeah, and, and part of the work I do there too, is like really getting clear on the being and doing of who you are, because we spend so much focus on doing like what we do as a human, but 
what do we, how do we be as a human, right? So what qualities of being, you know, your, your kindness, your listening, your curiosity, your um, willingness to grow, right? Like these are all ways of being that are, are make up who we are, right? So that's part of my, the, the self-worth work that I do. Um, and then self-acceptance, right? So like which parts of ourself have we pushed into the shadows? Again, because of messaging that we've internalized through the years from our caregivers, our friends, our teachers, our whatever, right? All these messages that say, that's too much, that's not enough, you need to change this, right? Like, this is not acceptable. So we adjust and reshape who we are and how we show up in the world um, because we push these parts of ourselves away. So self-acceptance work is about really, like, uncovering these pieces of ourselves in the shadow and finding the gifts that these pieces of ourselves can bring to our life. Um, and, and just learning how can we adjust the dial on these things, right? So that it feels right for us and we can move through the world in a way that feels authentic. And then self-advocacy is a big part of the work I do. So that's, you know, speaking your truth, right? How do you really advocate for yourself? Setting boundaries. I, I, I work with people to really find like the wording that feels uh, true to them. And, um, and then the last piece is self-guidance. So really learning to deeply connect with your intuition and self-trust, like listening to that inner voice that is so overshadowed by all these other voices we've inherited, right? It's like, what's the part of us that is truly coming from that core essential part of who we are and, and deepening that connection. So that's, you know, I've packaged all this in a program I call the self-love program. And when I'm working with people, it can either be a very structured approach, like I take you through the program as I've laid it out, or it can be um, more working with what's coming up for you in each moment. Um, people are different. Some people want a more structured approach and some people want a more fluid approach. So, you know, the materials that I've created, I've created workbooks, videos, guided meditations, all of this journal prompts to, to help guide you through all of that. And then we decide which, which way of doing this work will work best for the client. That is so beautiful, Michelle. Oh my gosh. And so needed, so needed mm -hmm. because the journey can feel really lonely and confusing and scary and mm -hmm. everything that you described there, I can attest to having gone through myself in a different way, calling it a different thing, but it, it's essentially, mm -hmm. you know, unpacking the our past and and deciding, you know, who we want to be what do we really believe what mm -hmm. is our opinion of ourselves um mm -hmm. and the emotions that are going to come up with that, going through that mm -hmm. right it's like whether it's structured or not structured there's so many feelings and emotions that are going to show up so having mm -hmm. you there to hold space for them and help them move through that rather than running from it or avoiding it um, but actually moving through it is so so powerful like can you talk about when you help your clients, what you see come up a lot of the time? Hmm. Yeah, certainly emotions. Um, and in my coach training, there is, we did a lot of work around how to hold space for those emotions and how to, um, you know, guide them through that process of holding space for their own emotions, because we have such a, uh, so many of us have this, um, tendency to just shut it down, push it down, avoid, avoid, right? Distract, pick up your phone, whatever, right? So uh, I think one area that I, I feel 
I really excel in is noticing the emotion, naming the emotion and holding space for that emotion with their permission, right? Of course, it's always going to be, the client's always in choice, but um, helping helping people move through that very difficult and very vulnerable process through it to the clarity that comes on the other side. So I've taken clients like deep into an experience. It's almost like a guided visualization. Like where are you feeling those emotions in your body? Um, what sensations are here? If you can visualize this emotion, what does it look like? Right? So it's like less about the story, you know, like it's less about the story and more about the, the, the present experience of that emotion in their body. And it's so powerful. Like people go and, you know, I'm like, I'm here with you. You're safe. You know, we're, we're together in this. Um, and as they move through, there can be this emotional release. Like they, they might have a really big cry or they might like just really feel some intense sensations in their body. Right. But something, some sort of release will happen. And at the other side, it's like, whoo, like relief and like clarity. And there's a whole different perspective and, and a lot of times they recognize that the fear of the emotion was worse than the experience of the emotion itself. And so that's something that I've seen so many times now that I, I trust it. And I think my trust in that is conveyed to that client so that they trust, they feel that trust as they move through that experience. And, um, and yeah, there's, like I said, there's just so much clarity that comes when we allow ourselves to move through the darkness, right? And, and walk through the shadows that we find the light on the other side of that. Yes. And you're not alone in that, you know, when you have yes. a coach, when you have someone to, to be there, just to, sh I guess, shepherd you a little bit through it. Like you've mm -hmm. had to do that for yourself and you've mm -hmm. had coaches to help you and support you as you were navigating that mm -hmm. and allowing that to, to come up and integrate and release you know and and absolutely the clarity on the other side of it of okay what gets to change now like what gets to be different now um mm -hmm. you know wanting to go on the self-love journey this is why it's so worth it because in my experience once you have that shift you can't go back right mm -hmm. like once you get mm -hmm. to the other side of that there's no there's no going back you can't unknow that your eyes are open yeah yeah because <laughs> you've experienced it so it really does change the trajectory of like how your relationships manifest and when it comes to a self-love journey and personal growth and all the work that you do it's not just about romantic relationships right like it's it's about more than that right mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah absolutely I mean this you know, it spills over into all areas of your life. Once you, you know, really it's a, a big part of it is about moving through the fear of, of the unknown of uncertainty, right? Um, I don't know what's going to happen if I speak my truth to this person. I don't know what's going to happen if I have this difficult conversation with my employee. I don't know what's going to happen if I quit my job and take the leap into my passion, right? Like there's that when you're standing on the brink of the cliff, that moment before you take that jump, right, is just terrifying. So, you know, I'm here as the parachute right, to help sort of soften the landing and provide that um, comfort in a time that's very uncomfortable. Yes. So, yeah, the work that I've, yeah, yeah. And, um, you know, in the five years I've been doing this, I've worked with in a lot of different areas, you know, it's in this online coaching world. You know, it's all about finding your niche, right? That's sort of the guidance I've been getting. And so 
initially it was like creative entrepreneurs, small business owners, and now I'm more moving into the relationship space because that's that's something that's just really near and dear to my heart and something that I've really walked through. Um, and not only that, I was a hairstylist for 15 years. So, I mean, that's one, pretty much the number one conversation you have with people is about their relationships when you're sitting in the chair for three hours. So I've heard so many stories. I was unofficially coaching people on relationships for you know 15 years before I did my coach training. So, so that's an that. area that I really enjoy, but it's truly can be applied anywhere. It, it truly, you know, all of this self-love work is just going to allow you to show up more authentically for yourself so that, you know, maybe it's in your relationship with your family or your friends. Maybe it's your relationships with your coworkers or your staff if you're a, a, a business owner. Um, or anytime there's just difficult situations that we want to avoid arising in our life and we have to take a stand for what is true to our values and our vision that's when this work can be applied. Yes, because I know in my work that relationships are like the biggest source of emotional distress for most mm -hmm. people, right? It's whether it's your mm -hmm. employees, like you said, whether it's your family, whether it's your friends. And at the core of it, if we look at it as a, a mind map, is you, right? And it's mm -hmm. how you feel with yourself and how you feel about like the confidence you have, the self-confidence that you have yes. when you make aligned decisions and you are in your authentic space. But it is, it's not just like a simple thing that you do. There's all the stuff that arise that you have to be willing to look at and face so that you can execute and you can take that action. So I love it. And mm -hmm. absolutely, I mean, no better therapist than a hairstylist. <laughs> My sister-in-law is a hairdresser and she tells me, she's like, I'm always doing therapy for my clients because people just 100%. feel safe and they mm -hmm. open up. And clearly that's an indication of how your energy, Michelle, is so in like so calming and inviting and safe that people mm. feel comfortable opening up to you. So that's that's mm -hmm. an innate kind of soft skill that you have for sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah, certainly. Um, yeah, absolutely. That's that's what I hear. And you mentioned you brought up the word confidence there. And that's something I want to say because I know or touch on because really, you know, we're talking about courage and confidence here. Um, the more that we love ourselves, the more we trust ourselves there. And then the more we trust ourselves, the more confidence and courage we have. So really, that's what this work is allowing you to do is to show up more confidently, more trusting that even if things don't turn out the way you want them to, you're going to be able to handle it because you could, you've handled difficult emotions before. So yeah, there's less fear of a negative outcome or, you know, like, so because you're building that emotional resilience. And that's what I've found is like, all right, I'm willing to take that risk because either way this ends up, I'll, I know I'll figure it out. Yes, and that is where our work absolutely aligns is is having that emotional resilience because that's what allows us to, like you said, have the courage to take the action. And I think in those moments, it's like it becomes what's more important in those moments is that we're taking care of ourselves versus how the other person's mm -hmm. going to react. Like we we learn to through this work that you're helping guiding your clients through. It's like I love myself enough, trust myself enough, value myself enough that I'm going to prioritize taking care of me over mm -hmm. how this person might react or feel. I'm not going to take that on. Mm -hmm. And yes. from a recovered oh, people yes. pleaser. <laughs> yes. Yes. Those I'm so glad you brought that up. Yes. I, I just want to say, because that's it. It's like really separating 
your your actions from their response because everyone's on their own journey. So if something that I say that is coming from a place of my authenticity and my needs and wants is upsetting to someone else, that's their journey, you know? Like, And it's not about being unkind and it's not about trying to hurt people, but it's it's important to be be okay with other people's discomfort because maybe they haven't fully reached their self-love, you know, they haven't done their self-love work. And so that, that was a really big challenge for me, but I, I think that's somewhere that I've come to where I can fully be at peace with that. Yes. I mean, motherhood is teaching me a lot about that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if we can go there just for a little bit, because that's mm-hmm. a relationship oh, yeah. with our kids yeah. and yeah. learning to be okay with my child. There's tantrums and learning to be okay with mm-hmm. her having big feelings. I mean, how has motherhood allowed you to kind of implement and apply this, this self-love journey work? Cause we're dealing with little <laughs> oh, humans that aren't regulated and <laughs> you know, logical. Yes. yes. I, th- I think a big thing that I've that's helped me through this is just really shifting my perspective. Like my job is to make not to make sure he's comfortable and happy all the time. My job is to make sure that he's safe and cared for. But um, part of that, you know, part of this is <laughs> he helping him navigate those big emotions, like allowing him to have them. Because I was raised like oh, you're fine. Oh, stop it. Like, oh, you're being dramatic. Like my emotions were too big, right? There wasn't space for them. Whereas with Julian, I'm like, oh, wow, I see that you're upset. Yeah. You know, no, you can't have another Easter egg. You know, (laughs) I know you want them. I know they're delicious, but you've had enough for today and he's going to have a big meltdown about it. And that's okay. Like, because he needs to learn that he can feel those feelings and survive them and move on. Yes. I mean, I, I have a great stash of Easter eggs for myself, but she's had enough. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. I can have more. Uh, yeah, I can have more. Uh, but no, I love that so much that you brought that up about how your emotions were handled as a child, because I think that mm-hmm. when you're probably doing the work with your client, this comes up about if I'm people pleasing or if I'm shutting down how I feel, if I'm focused on how you feel, you know, how was my, how were my emotions held space for? How were my emotions dealt with? How did I learn to, to mm-hmm. see them? Right. And I think for a lot of people, a lot of people with people pleasing and perfectionist behavior, we learn early on to see as our, our emotions and our feelings as not important to dim, diminish them, to dismiss them. And then we, we, continue that behavior later on in our relationships right so would you say that Mm -hmm. you learning to to feel your emotions to hold space for emotions to bring all of that up has kind of shifted your perspective in terms of or helped you gain more awareness in terms of like how that how how you respond to yourself and your feelings is related to your behavior in relationships Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, because there was just sort of this ingrained belief that my emotions were too big and they weren't acceptable, right? Because it was always just squashed <laughs> or or it, it, I felt annoying, you know, when I brought my emotions to the table. So, you know, so of course, yeah, that's going to translate into my relationships. So, you know, romantically or otherwise. So it's like, oh, don't let you know full expression is like a core value of mine now because it was so 
contained for so long, right? So it really has been a process of unlearning that and allowing myself to just fully express. And and Colin <laughs> holds so much space for that. Um, you know, as I've been sort of unpacking a lot since I've become a mother, certain things will literally bring me to my knees. Like the other day I was like on the floor in the fetal position or in child's pose sobbing about someone on the internet dying, like someone I didn't even know, but it just triggered something. And Colin comes running in and he's like, are you okay? I'm like, what's happening? I was like, I'm just sad. He just like sat there with me and he just like had a hand on me and he was just there, right? And he just knows like, that's me. I'm going to spontaneously combat over <laughs> random things. And he just provides such a safe space for that without questioning and without even needing to know why, you know, he's just there. And, yeah. and so that's, he's been a huge part of me you know, allowing myself to fully express my feelings. I love that. And how, how it's so important to have that support from someone and how, when we go on this journey, we can start to have these healthier relationship dynamics, you know, because we know what we're looking for, because we were able to give it to ourselves. So, you Mm -hmm. know, once you start doing the work, you're not going to accept the partner that's emotionally unavailable, because you know, you're looking for that, that support and that it's possible. Like, I think when it comes to relationships, what we forget is that, you know, I'll I'll hear from people a lot of times like, oh, my standards are too high or whatever. It's like, are they too high for you? Like, if you're treating yourself at those standards, then they're not too high. Right. But if you don't Mm -hmm. even want to give yourself that, then, yeah, it's going to seem impossible. Right. But it absolutely Mm -hmm. is. It exists. And sharing your experience with going through all of this has just really I think helped the listeners because it's so human like it's so mm. normal right I love mm-hmm. how you talked about feeling annoying because that oh my god that was my biggest core belief for the longest time that I was annoying for this mm-hmm. and I just want anyone listening to, to this to know if you also have that belief that it's a lie you know mm-hmm. it's not true um mm-hmm. and that there is there is hope to get rid of that. I've done it. Mm-hmm. Michelle has done it. You know, there's people who have walked this journey and who continue to walk the journey, who continue to practice it, who want to help and support you. So Michelle, please let the audience know. I know you talked about your program, but tell them like what your offers are, how you actually support people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the self-love program, it's my signature program and it's a group program because a big part of this self-love work is recognizing you're not alone. That's why you have this podcast. You just spoke to that, right? So so there's um, a community of like-minded souls on a similar journey that you can connect with and hear their stories and recognize your yourself in them and vice versa um, because there's just so much power in, in that collective wisdom. So there's, there's that. Um, when you join the self-love program, you get full access to all of the materials in the online course. And you also have access to the weekly calls for life. So you have lifetime access to this, to this support. Um, I do one-to-one coaching as well. And, um, and yeah, that's, those are, those are the two offers right now. So I, I offer my one-to-one services in a package. It's an eight session package. Um, you know, we go deep because we have that one-to-one time together and you also receive full access to the, the online course, the self-love program. And again, all of the materials for life. And if you want to find out more about me, you can find me on my website, michellerichter.com. 
my YouTube channel. You just look up my name, you'll find my channel. My Instagram is Michelle Richter. And uh, those are the, the three areas where you'll, where I'm, I'm most Excellent. present. Nice. Everything yeah. will be linked in the show notes, by the way. Um, also, if you have a freebie, Michelle, that you'd love to share with the audience, I'd love to link that as well in mm. the show notes. Mm-hmm. Um, is there anything that you, you typically kind of give people where they can get started? Yeah, I actually have a new one that I'm working on. So um, I'm I'm planning to have that finished by this week. I do have, I have the one that I've been uh, offering previously. It's called the Broken Hearts Guide to Moving On. So it's for the person who's fresh out of that toxic relationship and they're just feeling really lost and drained. Their self-worth, their confidence, their clarity is just gone. So this is a workbook to help get you started on those first steps towards getting back on your feet and like finding that power again. So I can give you a link to that, but I'm also working on um, a self-love guide. So it's just, a, a, again, a workbook to help get you started on those those six signposts on the path to self-love that I shared with you today. Oh, so beautiful. Thank you so, so much, Michelle. All of that mm. will be linked below. If you are currently thinking, you know what, I'm just getting out of a toxic relationship or you're on a hiatus because you feel like you can't trust yourself to have healthy relationships, mm-hmm. this is such a good resource for you. So definitely check out Michelle. I love seeing your work, following your work. You're pretty mm-hmm. active on Instagram, despite being a busy mom and having all this <laughs> stuff going on. So it's amazing. Definitely go follow you. I'm just so grateful that you were willing to be here today and to be vulnerable mm. with our audience. Um, do you have any final words for the audience? I just want to say, you know, this work is so worth it. it you know, you can stay in the discomfort of uh, being small in your comfort zone, right? The, the comfort of the, the discomfort of the comfort zone, or you can, do the brave, courageous work of breaking out of that and just be being your full self. And it's just so, it's a whole other level of living. It's a whole other level of experience when you expand that emotional range. You know, we stay neutral, right? We, we can stay so suppressed and neutral, but when you expand that, you know, the lows are lower, but the highs are so much higher and it's so worth it. So that's that's all I have to say. I've devoted my life to this work for a reason beautiful can't add anything more to that thank you everyone for listening today um and yeah like i said links are below check michelle out she's amazing and can support you if you are in need of it right now um and i will see you guys on our next episode bye thank you so much for listening to today's episode it would mean so much if you could subscribe leave a review share with your friends and family And let me know what you think by going to my Instagram at mighty underscore emotions and connecting with me and letting me know what you loved about today's episode. It really means a lot that you support this podcast. And I love coming to you each week with a new episode. So be sure to subscribe. Let me know what you think and take care of yourself.